distant She just loves to stay in She just cares about good love And never leaves me alone If I'm not prepared for action She goes out on her own The woman is love crazy She's loving all night The woman is love crazy Won't stop for a bite The woman is love crazy She's out on her own Sometimes I work so hard I wish she'd leave me alone Hello there. Welcome to episode three of Unmitigated Bounders. You unmitigated bounders. Okay, so Fred, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one uh, because it's um, it's about a film that I have previously claimed is the uh, best carry-on film of the 1970s. You've caused a lot of upset with that with that claim, Fred. <laughs> I think that's given a clue as to which film it might be. <laughs> so absolutely yes you've given the game away today we are going to discuss the 1978 classic if you will carry on emmanuel um the 30th film in the series now in terms of episode title fed I've, I've come up with a few just like in the carry on films you know how they you know for example carry on henry aka mind my chopper um, so i've come up with a few episode titles shall i start you start yeah so Love crazy. Misspelt or misunderstood? Question mark. <laughs> Two ends are better than one. Yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> Desperately seeking Suzanne. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, Christelle Clear. Oh, very clever. Very clever. <laughs> downstairs, downstairs. <laughs> We're scraping the barrel at this point. And then finally, Ambassador, you were spoiling us. <laughs> yeah, it is, of course, Carry On Emmanuel. Absolutely. So, Fred, this was, as as you know, this was the, the last film for 14 years, arguably the last proper Carry On film. And, and some purists, some diehards would actually, you know, a bit like, you know, Doctor Who fans and, and what they recognise as properly part of the canon. Some purists um, sort of uh, don't accept Carry On Emmanuel as being a proper carry-on film. Well, they don't have to accept it, but the fact is, it is a proper carry-on film. <laughs> facts are facts, Fred, and that's, yeah, what I, exactly. that's what I like to train in, same yeah. as you. I mean, you could argue that Carry On Columbus isn't a carry-on film, but unfortunately it is. Um, they decided to go ahead with that debacle. Um but that, that wasn't the end of it, because they, there was uh, rumours in the 80s of Carry On Dallas, and there's been rumours for, like, forever of a film called Carry On London. Yeah, it sounds pretty shit, actually. Sorry for swearing, but I think it's like... I've, I think I've got a funny feeling that it's envisaged that it would be um, uh, Barry from EastEnders driving around in a cab or something, which doesn't sound that enticing, to be honest. There was also no. um, Carry On Down Under... Oh yes, there was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I read during research for this episode that I think at least Peter Rogers and or Gerald Thomas, one or the other, and somebody else actually went on a um, location sort of scouting mission to us. Are you sure it's a location mission or just a holiday? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with some tax deductibles, I think. <laughs> so, so yes, um, yeah. This this was in nineteen seventy eight. Like we say, it was the thirtieth film. A particular narrative has emerged, namely that a it's dreadful, b it's pornographic, and and c 
that it killed off the Carry On series. Ah, Emmanuel, you are naked. Sacre bleu! I forgot I wasn't wearing a dress. Well, I would say it's definitely not dreadful, and people who do say that, I suspect a lot of them haven't even seen it. Um, like you said, there's a narrative going around that this is a dreadful film and it's a disgrace to the series, but I think a lot of those people haven't watched it properly. Uh, it's pornographic. Well, you know, one man's porn is another man's. <laughs> famous, famous five novel. Um... Yeah, exactly. And as to whether it killed the carry-ons, well, I think we'll get to that at the end, won't we? Yeah, we definitely will. So today, what we're going to do is take a clear, closer look at the film through our, um, you know, thick thick-rimmed national health specs. Um, sort of a bit of background to the film, the context of the time, what was going on in the in the industry, et cetera, et cetera, and, and maybe revisit how accurate that, that narrative is. And if nothing else, it's got an absolutely corking theme tune. Cue the music, Fred. What a what a great great tune! I mean, that's a nice sort of little disco number there, keeping up with the times, eh? So. Master Plan or Master Plan, as I would pronounce it, um, written by and I think sung by Kenny Lynch, um, who needs no introduction. He was in another Carry On film. Fred, are you familiar with uh, which one? Oh, he's a bus conductor, isn't he? He is. Uh, so he's one of those people you'd imagine he'd have been in more of the Carry Ons, more played more of a role, but he's he's just got yeah. that one. It's almost like a. It's the cameo, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, he's the, he's the, he's, the, he's the bus conductor and carry on loving it. He, That's uh, it. Yeah, he keeps uh, intercepting a, a, a couple who are making out on the bus, and and one of the fellas is Mike Grady from you know Citizen Smith and yes. Last of the Summer Wine, and he very quickly he says to the uh, he says to the girl, "Fares please, fares please." Are you going all the way? And she gives <laughs> she she gives them the wing. Anyway, so yes, brilliant theme tune, nice disco theme tune. So I don't really think we need to do too much of an introduction to the the, the carry ons. Fred, everyone sort of knows the story and uh, you know of of the carry ons and how how popular they were and a bit of a, a British institution really. But um, by the seventies things or by the mid seventies things had started to change. Indeed, yeah. Um... So I think the early 70s carry-ons are somewhat of a peak, you know, up to about uh, Carry-On Abroad is probably, for me, the last of the great, the, yes. old, sort of, the old series. Um, and then we get to Carry-On Dick, which for me, it's Sid just looks really old in this one. Yes. And, it, and it's starting to get a little bit 
slightly obscene, him sort of lusting after Barbara Windsor, you know? Yeah. And I, I think a, a bit of background there, I don't think that was a particularly happy film to make in terms of his, um, you know, much documented obsession with her, et cetera, et cetera, which is not what we're here to discuss. But yeah, the, the, you could argue the wheels were starting to come off with the series and just further to that with Carry On Dick, um, that was the last Carry On written by uh, Talbot Rothwell, who I think he'd, I think this was his 20th, give or take. Sid was getting on. Talbot had had a bit of a breakdown. And of course, um, Confessions films were riding high in the box office. The, the, the new kid on the block. Yeah, Robin Asquith smashing it on the yeah. big screen. Um, and of course, the, the, the Confessions style of film were a lot more saucier uh, and showed a, well, yeah, showed a lot more flesh. Um, it's a, a different type of a comedy to which the carry-ons felt they had to compete. Yes. So we had Carry On Behind is starting to get there. It certainly has a feel. I yeah. think Carry On Behind is a it's it's a nice sort of midway. It's a it's a nice kind of where the where where the carry-ons kind of pass over the battle onto the slightly saucier sex comedies. It's got the yeah. feel of a 70s sex comedy, but so, still but still feels like a carry-on. Yeah, and um it's the first uh post-Sid film, um, and they, they managed, and it's strange, they kind of, Kenneth Williams in this, and as we find out in Emmanuel, he, he turns into sort of like the, the sex symbol figure. I mean, <laughs> prior, prior to Carry On Behind, he, he always ended up with like Hattie Jakes or Hattie <laughs> I'm not, nothing to, I'm not, you know, degrading the way they look, but, you know, Hattie and Patsy were deemed to be, you know, a bit dowdy, not yes. so attractive. But I mean, behind Kenneth William gets Elkie Sommer, you know, and then and then obviously in Carry On Emmanuel he gets the lovely the lovely Suzanne. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's Carry On behind. Then they made Carry On England. I think now I think that's the uh, the lowest point of the series, and I think it's yeah, I think it's far worse than uh, Carry On Emmanuel. But we'll have Certainly. that. I think I think England is the one where they definitely tried to emulate the sort of confessions adventure style mostly yes. in, in that well they had like Patrick Mower as the sort of lead who's very much in the you know Asquithian sort of mould. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely part of that set. Yeah. But um, he's no Jim Dale. He's definitely no Jim Dale. No, he definitely isn't, but uh is is Larry Dan. Uh, well a, we a, shall a good find Jim out. Dale. Yeah, shall we have a clip? Excuse me, I'm sorry. I thought he was vacant. Oh, my God. I think I'd better go. Uh, um, how'd you do? How'd you do? Yes, uh, my name's uh, Theodore Valentine. Yes. You know, when the, when the flight's over, you must come and have tea with me. You'd, you'd love Mother. She, she'd, she'd love you. Yeah. She's very... Mother makes me wear them. The, the weather. <laughs> my glasses. My... Mummy. Brilliant. So, okay. So, as we said, film was released in seventy-eight. As always, produced by Peter Rogers and directed by Gerald Thomas. 
but it's the one and only film written by an Australian gentleman called Lance Peters. Now, you thought this might have been a pseudonym, didn't you? Well, it just sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> I don't know what Lance Peters. Yeah, yeah. Can you make can you make up a, a stereotypical macho-sounding um, Australian name? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Lance you can Peters. get better than that. Yeah. No, that, that, that's it. So. He he wrote it very very quickly. Um, he like I say Australian, but he was in the UK for about ten years trying to flog uh, a play written called Mother's Little Murderer. Um, he was he he had a chance meeting with the nephew of Gerald Thomas, and they were interested in in his writing. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why, to be honest, but um, they were interested in his writing. He was inspired walking around um, Soho, seeing the cinemas of Soho, by seeing all the sort of posters for Emmanuel and its sequels, but also the um, the various uh, cash-ins and rip-offs like Black Emmanuel and yeah. Emmanuel in Bangkok and uh, is it Emmanuel in Soho? Have I made that one up? Yeah, that's one, Emmanuel, yeah. Emmanuel, you know yes. what else it was. So he, he wrote one called <laughs> Green Emmanuel which was about an intergalactic sex pot who came down to, uh, the, to the UK and essentially shagged everyone. Um, he suggested to Thomas and Rogers that they rename this Carry On Emmanuel. Um, and just quickly, Fred, they, they liked the title, but they didn't like the, the premise, funnily enough. Um, but they commissioned him to write something more of a, a straight-down-the-line spoof of the original Emmanuel uh, starring Sylvia Crystal. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. Yes. Although the, the 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 space theme does sound quite crazy, I'd like to have explored that a bit more. That sounds like the kind of clip you would share on your Twitter account. You know, <laughs> Melvin yeah. Hayes and uh, I don't know some some books of beauty uh, in a in a sexy spaceship coming to come to work. Um, so. He he felt it was a lot more sophisticated than any of the previous Carry On films, but I think that I think the uh, the fact that they had to bring in various established comedy writers, uh, Willie Rushton and Vince Powell, to, to 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 sort of spruce it up would suggest that maybe it wasn't quite as good as yeah. he thought it was. Now it's interesting that Vince Powell is involved because there are there are two uh, characters in the film. Who play? Who have a fairly big sort of um, character parts? Dino Shafiq and Albert Moses, who of course yes. were stars of uh, Vince Powell's Mind Your Language. What is the purpose of your visit to the United Kingdom? I beg your pardon. I'm still deaf from the flying. We are having to be very careful who we are letting into this country. You know. How did you get in? Oh, blimey! I'm totally British. May I ask the question again, please? What is the purpose of your visit to the United Kingdom? To make the friends with the British. Is the purpose of your visit business of pleasure? Pleasure. Yes. Um, and, and and then obviously he'd, you know, he had that pedigree in terms of bless this house and yeah. uh, for the love of Ada and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then he, he also went on to write arguably the greatest or the most underrated sitcom of the 80s. Bottle Boys. Absolutely, Fred. I knew you would let yeah. me down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's um, 
there's a couple of there's there's some some script extracts in various books, and there's one scene where Emmanuel does a, a photo shoot with a couple of uh, stereotypical 1970s camp people, and uh, <laughs> it, 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 she's got a sort of link of sausages uh, round her round her round her neck, and they encourage her to put the sausage in her mouth and oh. blow. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound great. So it doesn't. It certainly doesn't sound more sophisticated and I think it was quite I think it was quite blue uh, but so thankfully just, just on, a, on an aside this is something that requires further investigation in the 70s in these films photographers are always these weird sort of screaming camp people <laughs> who minced around always photographers are always that type I don't know where this stereotype has come from but I'd like to know yeah because if you know Stanley Long was from that kind of world, wasn't he? And I don't get the impression he was... Oh. Well, yeah, someone like Harrison Marks, he was a photographer, he's not like that either, you know? No, no. I wonder where this... Because uh, this... there's one in an earlier Carry On film, the, the director in Carry On Girls. Uh, Cecil Gearbody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I think that was the that was meant to be the, the Charles Ho- Hawtrey role, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I get that, but... They'd fallen out with them by that point, I think. Uh, yeah, there must be there must be something in it. Yeah, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll investigate that another day. We, we will. So, um, just quickly before we get onto a bit of an overview of the plot and maybe have another clip, um, they, they for this film and carry and carry on England, um, they broke away from Rogers and Thomas broke away from Rank, who'd previously been the sort of. Uh, the studio or the, the production company, if you will, um, or certainly the distributors. And they went with, um, it was financed by something called Cleave, a company called Cleave Investments. And they put up quite a bit of money, uh, about a hundred grand more than, um, about a hundred grand more than Carry On England. I actually think that shows. Um, yes. Because when well, I watched it the other day, I did think, oh, this, the, the standards, are, the aesthetics are quite, Hi. It, does, it shows in some scenes, but there are other scenes. There, there's some shocking shortcuts which we'll discuss. Yeah, it goes from one extreme to the other, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it was just a quick bit of trivia. It was distributed by Hem Hemdale Films. Are you? Do you have any awareness of Hemdale? Is this something to do with David Hemmings? He's he's the Hem. Um, wow. Sadly, it's not him and Jim Dale. It's I think somebody called some somebody called Daley. Um, from, but, from from blow up to carry on Emmanuel. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Who imagined it? <laughs> so, I wonder if he thought when he was filming Blow Up, God, in ten years' time, I'm going to be financing a film called Carry On Emmanuel. Yeah, was was which which um, is it? Nicholas and Alexander is in or Alfred the Great? Uh, Alfred the Great, I think. Yeah. So there he is, writing his writing his memoirs on the set of this you know sprawling historical epic. Which incidentally also has an early part for Robin Asquith in it. Absolutely. And uh, Barry Evans. And Barry Evans together at last. Yeah. Right. So, Fred, what's the, you know, I, I use the, I'm going to use this in inverted commas. What's the, what's the plot? What's the plot? What's the film about? Well, so Emmanuel returns uh, to London to be with her diplomat husband, played by Kenneth Williams, uh, who's a bit lacking in the bedroom department. Surprisingly, <laughs> um, and that, that there's um, and it's basically about her exploits of kind of shagging her way through London. Um, but then there's this kind of subplot, 
he meets uh, this character played by Larry Dan on the plane, and they have a, a famous um, session on the plane, <laughs> the Concorde, of course. Um, which, which I hasten to I think all the footage of Concorde was stock footage, I believe. Yes, I don't think the I don't think the budget uh, stretched to that. Um, and then, and then the Larry Dan character kind of turns a bit weird. I think um, he turns into this weird sort of stalker character who lives with his mother, played by Beryl Reed. Yes, uh, who's always a delight to see. Uh, and again, uh, Beryl Reed, another one you'd think, oh, she must have been in loads of carry-ons, but this is her only one as well. She was apparently only meant to be in one scene, and then they got her in that day, and they realised. Yeah, you know, obviously, I don't know yeah. why. It, I don't know why it took them to be there filming on the day, but they realised the scenes with her and Larry Dan were were pretty great. So yeah. they hastily wrote some of the scenes and filled them filled them that day. Well, I mean, you got Beryl Reed. You might as well use her, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's straight Beryl Reed. At this point in her life, she must have been short of cash or something because she's in this and she appears in Rosie Dixon Night Nurse as well. You know. Yeah, and she got the two. Later in life, she'd get the two films confused a bit and say that she was in the you know a pornographic carry-on film, but she was ac- she's actually talking about Rosie Dixon Night Nurse. Um, yes, although... she could argue. But Rosie Dixon's probably more traditionally pornographic. Than yeah, on. in the loosest possible sense. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and you know, alongside, well, just a quick thing. Can you recall what? Um, Kenneth Williams' uh, character's name is. Oh, oh, his name escapes me. It's Emil Prevert. That's a um, Prevert, yeah. Of so, if, you know, just if it isn't obvious enough, that's pervert with the E and the R, um, the wrong way around. So, oh um, yeah, I never realised that. Come on, Faye. Keep, keep, <laughs> well, of course, I did. Keep. <laughs> uh, so obviously, Kenneth Williams is the uh, ambassador. Uh, and he's he, he lives in this sort of uh, mansion house in London, uh, and he's got a full team of house staff. Um, so he's got Jack Douglas, who is essentially the the butler or the groundsman, would you yeah. call him? So this is how they shoehorn the sort of traditional members of the Carry On team into it. Yes. So you've uh, got Jack Douglas, Kenneth Connor. Yes, this is the chauffeur. Yeah, the, the, the Randy chauffeur. Of course. Oh, well, perhaps I should put it on automatic pilot and come back here with you. Because <laughs> I'm driving you now, you know, in a Daimler pervertible. <laughs> the hood doesn't go down, but the chauffeur does. Uh, I'd expect nothing, nothing more from, <laughs> from this. Uh, Joan Sims as the sort of the, the housekeeper, I suppose. Yes. And uh, finally, Peter Butterworth. As a yes. very, very old uh, gardener. Is he the gardener? I think he is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was actually his, I think it's his last film role. Oh, his last film, totally. Yes, I believe oh, so, wow. yeah. Um, and you're right about the shoehorning in of the sort of the old gang or the old guard, but the scenes with them are arguably some of the best in the film. They are, and they're, and they're kind of, a lot of their scenes are, to- are totally separate from the rest of the film. Uh, there's a few bits where they interlink, but yeah, they have their big moment uh, about halfway through the film where they all um, gather around and talk about their their sort of uh, moments in their lives they've found love. Yes, their sort of wildest 
loving or sexual moments. We we definitely will return to that later on in, in the episode. Um, just quickly, Fred, in terms of supporting cast, there's a few people of, of interest. You've already mentioned um, Dino Shafiq and Albert Moses. Um, we've got Robert Dorning, who's familiar in a very fond way to you and I for his appearances in films such as uh, Confessions of a Pop Performer and, and one of your favourites, definitely. The ups and downs of a handyman. <laughs> and he gets very handy in that film. <laughs> um, we've got Eric Barker, who we talked about on our first episode, Cooler yep. Carol. Um, I think I think he was in Carry On Sergeant. Yes, he's I, in one of the really early ones, yeah. And then he's not in another one until this, I believe. Wow, it's uh, in the first and last. What a, what a yeah, essentially, yeah. Um but Henry McGee, who you know, needs no introduction, but a uh, you know, long time uh, Benny Hill collaborator, and again uh, someone else who you would have imagined has been would have been in a lot more Carry On films. What is it? <laughs> I think this is his only one, unless he's got a small role in a. Oh, you've caught me out. There. I've got a funny feeling he's in one in the mid sixties, but I'm, I might be wrong on that one. Um, okay. And then finally, we've also got Victor Madden, who was a long time. Collaborator with uh, Dick Embry, and again he was in uh, Carry On Sergeant as well. Ah, good spot. Well yeah. done. So, was it a hit, Fred, when it came out? Um, no, I would say <laughs> <laughs> certainly not with the critics. Anyway, um, yes, and I don't think it did massively well at the box office. It probably made its money back and a bit more, but it wasn't a huge success. Well, we've got a few. Critics quotes if you'd if you'd like to hear a couple. Go on then. Uh, Philip French uh, said the this relentless sequence of badly written, badly timed, dirty jokes is surely one of the most morally and aesthetically offences offensive pitches to emerge from a, a British studio. That that's uh, a brilliant review, I have to say. I, I don't think he was a fan. Um, <laughs> A, a critic called Christopher Tukey said it was embarrassingly feeble. Um, a guy called Tom Cole, writing in the Radio Times, said he found it undignified and laugh-free and said that Suzanne Danielle was, quote, unintentionally creepy. <laughs> Gee, I don't know, where did he get that from? Uh, I mean, there's, there, there I mean, is a bit of creepiness going on in this film. But call it Lolita, I mean, she's clearly a grown woman. You know? Yes. Um, I don't know where he's got this Lolita thing from. No, bit odd. She, she's a grown woman because there's a, well, you know she's a grown There's this quite, um, I found it quite disturbing, the scene where she's lying in bed with Jack Douglas and her her, <laughs> her boobs are right on his sort of stomach, squashing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and his, his, his face is like, I think he was truly quite thinking that her you know, she's getting a bit close to his uh, little little Jack Douglas. Uh. <laughs> little Jack. Uh, Jack Douglas, uh, I've heard him say a couple of times that he um, he wasn't happy with the initial take, so he asked to do it ten more times. Um, <laughs> he's quite he's quite game about this film, actually. Um, he is, yeah. So um, there, there were some positive reviews. Um, Richard Bartley in the Sunday Express said it had some good jokes and Suzanne Danielle sailed through the muddy waters with a swan-like poise. Wow. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. I, I think that's probably a fairer yeah. 
less sort of sensational uh, take on it. Um, just going back, Fred, what, so what do we know about Suzanne Danielle? Where did, where did she come from? I think she was a model, wasn't she, I think? Um, um, was she a model? Or, I mean, she's an actress, but I think she started off as a model. Uh, yeah, I well, think. Almost definitely. Um, she she kind of, she, she had a part in the stud, uh, I think, oh, okay. in the discotheque. Yeah. Um, but she was, for a long time, she was Patrick Moore's girlfriend. Patrick Moore? Yes. Oh, I thought you said Patrick Moore for a minute there. Uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's an image you can't unsee. <laughs> um, so she was his girlfriend and she was, by all accounts, kind of around on set during Carry On England, which put her on the radar of Thomas and Rogers. Ah, it's interesting because going back to Kenny Lynch, I have a Kenny Lynch album. Oh. It must be, it must be from about 76. And the cover is quite amazing. It's got Kenny Lynch and Gareth Hunt in sort of tuxedos sit, sitting by a swimming pool. And Suzanne, Suzanne Daniel is there as well, wearing sort of leotard, doing a sort of, doing the splits. Wow. So, so this is pre-Emmanuel, so I don't know. Oh, right. So, yeah, she must have been a model. She must have yeah. been. Yeah. Um, just, just on that note, which other um, album cover not his own, was Kenny Lynch famously on? Oh, uh, uh, Wings, wasn't it? Yes, Band on yeah. the Run. Um, it's a bit of a saucy 70s type cover, actually, if you think about the people on it. But we do digress. Yeah. Yes. She she got the part. She was reasonably young. A uh, bit of trivia for you, uh, Fred. It came down to two people for the role, Suzanne Danielle and one other. Do you know who that person was? Do remind me. Well, this is new to me in the last 24 hours. Oh, wow. Kelly LeBrock. Really? Is, so, she, is she British? She was, born, she... she was born in America, but I think she was brought up here. Ah, wow, okay. So um, Weird Science's game was um, Carry On Emmanuel's Loss. <laughs> yeah. It's a That's funny old mean. world, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Um... Shall we talk a bit about the film? Yeah, so I mean, you know, coming back to our so, original, original. Yeah, so it, it's it's interesting. So she she arrives at the um, ambassadorial residence, and there's a lot of interest from the downstairs people in what's going on in the bedroom with her and Kenny, isn't there? Yes, uh, um, uh, Kenny Kenny uh, Williams, not Kenny Lynch. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that kind of film. Um, uh, so they're, they're there in, she's trying to rouse uh, Kenneth Williams up and they're sort of at the door trying to peek through the um, keyhole and they can hear some sort of, you know, innuendo and noises and stuff, can't they? Funny scenes where yeah. John, John Sims busts Jack Douglas and says, yes. what, are you, what are you doing? And he tries to blag it and then she says, get out of here. And she has a look. Uh, and then I think they all come along and have a look, don't they? Um, they do. They all come along and have a look. And um... come on, take off. Oh, come on, no, no, I don't like. Lila, I am a woman. Yes, so I've noticed. I am your wife. You should not hide anything from me. There's not much to hide. Snow White meets the Incredible Shrinking Man. <laughs> I will make you love me if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> I think she's knackered him. Come on, back on a job. 
Get off! Oh. What is the matter? You've broken it. Oh, la la! Turn over and let me have a look. Uh, no, no, not that. My back. Oh. I can't move. It's probably just crying. No, no, I'm in agony. Oh. Straighten your legs. I can't straighten anything. I'm completely bent. And it's uh, another first in this film, in that you see Kenneth Williams' bum, not only once, but at least twice. Yes, poor lad. Um, it, it's strange you think people, oh, it's disgraceful he was showing his bum, but he must have agreed to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, in terms of his take on the film, he really didn't want to do it. He really didn't like the script. Um, they went back a number of times, I think, with three different scripts, and then finally offered him uh, £6,000. I think he was paid five, seven, five, five, two, five with a personal car every day, uh, 5225 um, And he eventually did it kind of out of, well, for the money, but also out of loyalty to uh, Thomas and Rogers. Um, but when there was you know stuff in the press about it being pornographic or erotic, he was clean to say, well, I've been on set for three weeks. <laughs> I've seen I've seen nothing remotely erotic whatsoever. Uh, and I think that would be fair to just, you know, I think his his bottom scenes uh, uh, would come under that category. So, yeah, he's not, it's not a, he was never going to give Robin Asquith a run for his money in terms of, um, no. you know, famous rears. But I think, I think it makes, it makes the film a lot more fun, you know, in that you see him like that. Well, um, his sort of weird, weedy body next to sort of Suzanne Daniel's statuesque kind of body. Yeah, I mean, we need to come back to Suzanne Daniel actually. On, uh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, um, something I find hilarious about the film is obviously the premise is you know she's love crazy as per the song, Indeed. and her and her husband, you know, won't won't do the business, shall we say? It, it does transpire that it used to be um, kind of her her match in terms of uh, you know libido and, and passion. And he used to be quite the lover, but there was a there was an accident, wasn't there? There was, yes. Um, uh, is this the flashback scene? <laughs> it involves, yeah, a, yeah it yeah. involves, uh, yeah. Well, we'll come uh, to that. Um, so yeah, so they um, so basically, it, it turns out that she's got this massive libido, and she just needs to shag all the time. And it, it, first, uh, first sort of bit where it comes up is if they go to a dinner party. And there's a load of sort of dignitaries around there, played by various familiar faces from stage and screen. Besides, you must dress in a way that is befitting for the wife of an ambassador, especially in view of our distinguished guests. The Prime Minister. The Metropolitan Commissioner of Police. The Ambassador for the United States of America. <laughs> Guild Marshal Hume, Chief of Staff. The Arabian Ambassador. The Lord Chief Justice of the Appeals Court and Master of the Royals. Admiral Sir John Ardenough. Not to mention all their distinguished wives. How do you do? Not very often, I'm afraid. Too much bench, not enough wench. Yes. Uh, and, and somebody unhelpfully suggests to her that if somebody wanted to kill her husband or assassinate her husband, um, it would be very easy to do so. Yes. And so she, um, 
she, she goes under the table and there's this um, long scene of her touching people's legs and of course they you know they who who's touching my leg and of course there's all sorts of uh, the usual sort of uh, misunderstandings and <laughs> hilarity ensues yeah exactly uh, um, and then she ends up shagging them all really isn't she including, yeah including the prime minister one of them's the prime minister isn't he yes um i think that's robert dawning isn't it yeah um and i quite like that that sequence where you see her going to visit them all um, and uh, the 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 American ambassador hangs up his pistol. Yeah. Uh, they all hang something up, don't they? Um, specific to their yeah role she, she and always, country. Yeah, she hangs up her knickers. <laughs> and it's all and it's a different pair of knickers than everything. It is a different shop. pair. Yeah, I was I was glad of that detail. Yeah, good attention to detail. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think the dinner party scene in that scene. I think that's you know is as distasteful as it is in terms of the sort of you know old men. Um, I think that's that's quite a funny scene. Yeah, and then uh, so she carries on. Uh, she she gets Kenneth Connor to uh, who's an absolute um, dirty old man in this film. Yeah, is that the <laughs> Sid, it, is that the Sid role? I, um. Hmm. Possibly, yeah, because Kenneth kind of never really was that sort of character normally, was he? No. No, because uh, she's in the back of the taxi and he's sort of leering at her, you know, as she sort of shows her leg and stuff. Uh, but then there's this really, this bizarre scene where she goes to um, the, is it outside Buckingham Palace or the House of Parliament? With, uh, I think it's St. James's Palace, is it? Oh, St. James's Palace. Yeah. Uh, so to try and um, tempt one of the guards, you know, they famously can't, you know, leave, leave their post or crack a smile. Uh, and this is where it gets odd, where you see, uh, it looks like they filmed it on the slide, the, the bit of her approach, because it's done in long shot. Yeah. She approaches, uh, and then it cuts to this outrageous back projection that looks nothing like, you know, where they're supposed to be. Um, yeah. So she's standing there, showing her legs, taking her knickers off, trying to get get a reaction and she doesn't so she walks off and then this um outrageously camp man in a flowery shirt comes by and of course the guy goes Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah um i mean is that offensive in this day and age uh, i don't I, know I, I think they must have you know like we've discussed in the previous episode they must have got some kind of tax break or something if they included a, a, an offensively stereotypical camp person because it does they do seem to be in every in every single film. Funny scene, but yeah, that, that backdrop's weird. But it goes from one extreme to the other with these very, um, you know, authentic location shots when they're watching, uh, I don't know if it is the changing of the guards, but the guards marching. And that's obviously not staged for the film. That's obviously happening there and then. And kind of, go on. I suspect they probably maybe had permission to film that, but they probably didn't say what they were filming it for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that... You know, I know Stanley Long had a, a way of doing it where he just quickly set up the camera and started filming. This won't have been as kind of guerrilla-style filmmaking. It will have been set up properly, so that'll have been expensive. But you go from that extreme to then um, essentially kind of a... Well, just just a, a, a screen being... You know, a, a street scene being projected onto a 
Uh, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, and then, then you've got the uh, the scene of that explains Kenneth Williams' character, his um, his accident. Well, they they, they bef- Paris. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say before we move on to that, in terms yeah. of the chauffeur scene. Oh yes. Um, I find that a little bit of an odd scene. So, like you say, Kenneth Connors leering at her and kind of doing all kinds of type noises and lip yeah. gestures. Um, and she's just not really t- taking any notice of him. But... No, his character kind of changes. He doesn't. He becomes more jovial in the film later on. Yeah, but this but is he a... doesn't really continue that aspect of his character. And then, and then he describes the car as a something something pervertible. Oh. Um, <laughs> and he said that the, the hood doesn't go down, but the chauffeur, but the chauffeur does. Oh, God, uh, yeah. That line yeah. cringe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That one they should have they should have taken that one out. Somebody should have had yeah. it. Um, so yeah, sorry. Then there's there's obviously the um, the you know again involving the old crew. There's a fantasy sequence. Do you want to tell us what happens there? Um, so which scene are we talking about? There's a fantasy sequence where the the, the you know they're all sat down in the uh, below stairs. Oh yeah. Uh, so this is how they. This is the the main uh, sort of thrust of the classic uh, actors um, scenes. So they're all sitting down, Jack Douglas, Peter Butterworth, Joan Sims and Kenneth Connor. Uh, Suzanne Daniel comes down and she says, oh, what's your, um, tell me a, a story about your love life. So they all go around in turn. Um, so I think, is it Kenneth Connor that goes first? Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> he has, a, has this outrageous tale of him going to bed with um, a character played by Claire Davenport. Feeling in the need of company, I transported myself to my favourite pub, the Titton Sparrow up Camden Passage. It took me but a pint to make contact with a beauteous cheeky of the female gender, what would turn any civilised man into a beast, uh, despite my natural shy reluctance. She was insistent to the point of desperation. She'd whisked me off to her luxury flat in Mayfair. Absolutely. Who um, some of you may know, but she, if you saw her, you'd definitely be familiar with her. She always, she's this quite, quite big, voluptuous sort of lady, isn't she? Yeah, famously in a... Is it Adventures of a Plumber's Mate? Yes, she's the basseur in Adventures <laughs> of a Plumber's Mate. And she's also in uh, Reven- uh, Return of the Pink Panther uh-huh. as a housemaid. And she, she turns up in all sorts of things. So it's her and the little little Kenneth Connor in his underpants trying to um, get it on with her. For various reasons, he, he, he can't, can he? Well, it turns out that she has a fetish whereby she can only, uh, you know, seal the deal inside a wardrobe. That's um, right, yeah. But that's also sort of um, complemented by her husband coming home. Uh, and I think it's implied that he's a sailor because there's uh, the, the, the drunken yeah. sailor songs kind of playing in the background. Exactly, yeah. So Kenneth kind of ends up in the wardrobe and she joins in and it happens. And everything collapses and explodes. And... <laughs> well, that's just what happened to cars and furniture and <laughs> yeah. machinery in, in the 1970s. We've exactly. talked about this before. Uh, can you recall the, the, the name of the pub that he goes to? 
Oh, no. Remind me. It's it's the tit and something <laughs> up, up Camden Passage. Now, you're, yeah. you're yeah. more of a local boy to me. Is there such a thing as Camden Passage? I think Camden Passage ex- exists, yeah, but I don't know about the, the tit and whatnot. <laughs> so, Maybe it's called that, the tit and whatnot. That would be a good name. Yeah, that's where we carry on. So, uh, but you, you find um, Kenneth Connor in his pants a bit distasteful, don't you? Uh, I actually think that's one of the funniest scenes in the film. Ah. Uh, I can get my head around it. Kenneth Kenneth Connor talking about going down uh, in the car. That's it's just a bit. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. sit doesn't sit right. No. It's just ill judged, isn't it? Um, poor bloke. I, um, I like that. I like that the woman that they've chosen to play the character. She's not like a really young Dolly Bird. She's just she's a sort of yeah, and he's yeah, more of a middle aged sort of woman. And he's still like pleased as punch to have. Pulled her, you know. Yeah. He's, he's not, you know. He's he's he just objects slightly to the fact that he's got to do it in a in a in a wardrobe whilst the drunken husband, played by Norman Mitchell, um, falls asleep. So, um, so I think next we have Jack Douglas. Yeah, I found his his scenes a bit lackluster. I found um, he sort of it's it's a bit, uh, you know, it's him. Wandering around a zoo, and for some reason, some young dolly bird takes a shine to him, and they slope off to try and shag somewhere. But as as is the norm in the nineteen seventies, yeah. um, they end up accidentally breaking into the uh, gorilla cage. Yeah, and uh, when I when I rewatched this recently, having not watched it for a while, I thought, oh god, is there going to be some dodgy bestiality sort of thing? <laughs> <game?" But, laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there wasn't. There probably wasn't the original script by Lance. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the person who played the gorilla also played the gorilla in um, Carry On Up the Jungle. So he's well, just a bit, a bit typecast. People used to, you know, I know there's a guy who used to play the gorilla in the old 1930s and 40s American serials and films. Uh, he, he had his own gorilla suit. Oh wow! Um, this really, and that's why he got the. He played. If you ever see a film with a gorilla, American film from the thirties or forties, it's the same guy because ah, he has his own scene. I will. I will check that out. Thank I you. I can't remember much. his name now. Um, so yeah, and um, it ends with. Is there a lion in it? I can't remember. Yeah, there's. I think so. But I think it's yeah, a real lion. lion. But it's all a bit flat. That, that bit I find it, that scene. Yeah, it's not the best, and it's worth noting that this is. The film's notable in terms of Jack Douglas. He's got a really prominent role as um, Lions, or as as Emmanuel ac- accidentally calls them, Loins, Loins all yeah. the way throughout the film. He's pl- and he's playing it straight. He's not playing the uh, Alf uh, Epitimus, Epitimus, or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. However, in 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 that scene, in the dream sequence, he does briefly uh, break into Hey Ho. Um, yeah. Alf type mode. Yeah. Um, so then we have Peter Butterworth's scene. Uh, yeah, it's just a his scene's just a basic. Uh, so he's in the war and he basically dresses up as a woman and um, the the Nazi sort of instantly is attracted to him <laughs> <laughs> and then finds out he's not a woman. Yeah, it's it's along those sort of lines. Yeah, and then he he goes to he takes sanctuary in a. In a church, I think, uh, yeah. and he's told he has to share a room with the priest's uh, beautiful daughter. 
Yeah, and he, he comes up the last thing. I stayed there for seven years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't leave until 1947, and this. Um, but the war ended in 1942, and he said, "I was in no hurry." Yeah. Um, and then we get to probably the best of the lot is the Joan Sims scene. Yes, um, where she's she finds love in the laundrette with Victor Madden. Yeah, it's, it's a nice. It's a really nice scene, actually. Yeah, there's uh, there's something. It's not innocent by any stretch, but there is something, I know what you mean, there's something just quite, there is all something almost innocent about it. Um, yeah. In that, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was going to say, it ends up with them, they're basically flirting by showing their various bits of underwear from their washing to each other. To a, to a, to a striptease. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think was recycled from Carry On Behind, the striptease sequence in that. Uh, yes, yes. Um a couple of quick bits to go through in terms of those scenes in the original script. And I'm really sorry to sort of ruin this sort of quite warm moment between us, but in the original script, it was that scene was set in a laundrette, but it involved that John Sims's character um, sitting on the, um, sitting on the, (laughs) sitting on the tumble dryer or sitting on the washing dryer and sort of, Extolling the uh, the wonders of you know the vibrations. Oh, the vibration! Oh, really? Yeah, oh my God. yeah, yeah. Really, like I say, sorry to spoil the moment, but um, so <laughs> thankfully they changed that. And I do think I genuinely think that's a a really nice late carry on uh, carry on scene. Um, As anyone knows, laundrettes are better than pubs if you're after a pickup. I didn't know that. If you ever get around to washing your clothes, you'll find out. Now this particular day. The place was full. Unattached people. Of course, you get all types in there. <laughs> but then I prefer all types to other types. Through long experience, and if there's one thing I've had more than anything else, it's experience, all you do, if you're on the make, is you say something like, Excuse me, dear, can I borrow some of your suds? Work, you say, my, but you've got some saucy underpants. <laughs> it's just one other thing. You know, we, we said at the beginning that there's this narrative that it was pornographic. And at the time, during the production, um, there were some sort of lurid headlines saying that Barbara Windsor had stormed off the set because it was pornographic. Um, but that, she wasn't in it, was she? No, it, it's, a, it's a myth. She was never on set. But interestingly... She was meant to be in it, and she was going to play the the sort of love interest in the Kenneth Connor, Jack Douglas, Peter Butterworth scenes, and, ah. then, and then she was going to play the nurse who delivers the baby at the end of well, at the end of the film to carry on Emmanuel. And there was one day's filming that she couldn't do, so it kind of the whole thing was the whole thing was off. Um, but it did get turned into this storyline that she stormed off set, but that's actually false. She was never on set. Now that would have been interesting if that had happened. It would have, it might, it might have made things just a little bit more yeah. uh, engaging, shall we say? I mean, um, back to saying it's pornographic. You don't actually see. Uh, yeah, you you get a lot of hints of Suzanne Daniel's body, but you don't really see. You know any of the. One of no. the big parts of it. There, there, there is. 
as there is as much nudity as in in this as there is in I would say you know carry on abroad or carry on again doctor it's it, yeah. there's there's not really any nudity um I mean she's more I suppose it's because she's more upfront with um what she does I suppose yeah uh, because obviously as we go through the film she shags more and more people and there's one quite outrageous scene where she shags an entire football team and the referee yeah I wanted to I wanted to get to that well so where where do you sit with that scene <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of a, just got absolutely absurd in that the players are like faking injuries and getting sent off so they can go back to the dressing room to and she's just lying there and they just come in and make love to her basically one by one you know yeah um, and it ends with a big queue of them like waiting for their turn yeah I, I, that scene doesn't sit well with me um <laughs> i've got to be honest and it's it's a little bit i think the premise of a footballer faking an injury because he knows that the uh, the vip's wife is is waiting for him by prior arrangement yeah. in the dressing room. That's funny. I get that. But then he goes back and there's no kind of silly music. There's just silence. He kind of looks at her in a sort of suggestive leering way and she, she, she reciprocates. Then he takes his top off. It's quite sexual. It's not kind of, you know, we talked in our Confessions episode about how everything was played for laughs. That initial thing's quite sexual no. um and then this you know this sequence of them all doing it uh, and then queuing up now that's funnier but i hate to say this fred there's there's almost a, an unspoken suggestion of sort of gangbang type stuff uh which i know is horrible and i know that's not necessarily what they were going for but that is the no, you're right you are right um I think I think that on paper it probably looks a lot funnier than how it's executed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Um, so that they could have done with maybe some better editing. I mean, if you'd been around with your editing yeah. Well, yeah. editing skills, I think you would have you'd have made a better job. Um, yeah. To be honest with you. So, what about the airplane scene at the beginning? Uh, well, yeah, right at the beginning, she's uh, just lying. She seems to have had have three seats on the plane to herself for some reason. <laughs> well, I do that. On the Concorde, you know. <laughs> uh, one for her and the rest for her sort of legs to yeah. stick out and sort of she can rub her hand up and down her legs. Um, and there's various, she tries to, to she sort of flirts with the uh, steward. Yeah. And somebody she... says, uh, are you coming? Uh, I think that is uh, officially the first coming gag. In a carry on film. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. So, I mean, talk about setting out yeah. your stall. Um, <laughs> yeah. I quite, then, like that. I quite like that scene. Yeah. Go on. So, then she's uh, so desperate, she falls for the character played by Larry Dan, who's this sort of geeky looking, sort of <laughs> old haircut, glasses, you know. Lives lives with his mummy. Yeah. Um, and she, she gets him to follow her into the uh, toilets, and one thing leads to another. It's a funny scene. He's very it good because I think and, uh, he, his foot goes down the toilet yeah. and all sorts. And uh, instead of a, a train going through a tunnel, we have the um, nose cone of the Concorde <laughs> pointing upwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they were, they were pushing it out. Yeah, uh, I get it. But uh, 
they really hammering that one home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that shows that she starts as she means to go on, and it, obviously the scenes get more and more outrageous of her dragging her way around London. Um, and the reason she does it, of course, is because of uh, Kenneth Williams' accident, which is which is shown in a flashback. Oh yes, that's we we didn't cover her flashback. Yeah. Um, the um, again, it's it's quite funny to seeing Kenneth Williams and Suzanne Daniel jumping out of an airplane in parachutes and, and um, make and making love mid air. <laughs> yeah, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was inspired by sort of Bond type adventures. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of jumping out of planes yeah. in and the late seventies. Kenneth Williams lands on top of the uh, church steeple, doesn't he? And this is where the problems start. Yes. Um, um, so that's the origin of that. Um, and then let's go back to Larry Dan. Yeah. Because his character kind of becomes a bit weird, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, in terms of plot, I think they, I kind of like this. I think it works quite well. You know, he has this very casual dalliance with her because she's just, you know, love crazy, as per the song. Yes. Um, he thinks it's love and keeps trying to get in touch trying to get in touch with her and she and he follows her around you can see his car in the background and she's <laughs> driving around and then uh, at some point he tries to um take her hostage yeah but he, he lives with his mum beryl reed who's, who's <laughs> you know utterly disgraced by his behavior that he could want this woman <laughs> um can, can, and, in terms of the hostage scene um, on the yeah, see, it's, it, they're kind of trying to turn it into a thriller or something. It doesn't work at all. Well, she she tells them to piss off, really, which it's quite oh, yeah. funny in itself. He in the uh, commentary on the DVD, he said because in the during the attempted hostage taking scene, he wears a black mask, um, yeah. a bit like the Black Panther or something. Yeah. And he he suggested that he wears his spectacles outside his mask, <laughs> but they didn't go with it. But they should uh, have because that would have been funnier. Yeah. But it's interesting that in the use, my my missus pointed this out because she watched it with me. Oh, you romantic! That, you it, romantic! Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. It's a good time. <laughs> in that, uh, he, it, it's the use of the gun that he has. Yeah, because it, the use of the gun in quite a menacing way like that is is very uncarry on like. Um, I mean, they have them in some historical ones, obviously. You know, the carry on dick and that. But yeah, know, pointing a gun at someone is not. It's, it's a weird departure. Yeah, it's a good even, point. Even in terms of this film. Yeah, um, kind of that Sweeney type thing that would turn up in you know adventures films and Mary yeah. Mil- Mary Millington films. Maybe a, maybe a sign of the times in terms yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. But um, like you say, it all falls flat because she uh, sort of seduces him in the end, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, and, and to bring the, the the story full circle, eventually Kenneth. Um, seek some guidance from presumably a, a Harley Street doctor played by uh, Albert Moses um, who who basically says it's not a physical problem, the reason you can't perform it's psychological uh, and he brings in a nurse and gets her to take her, her clothes off to prove the point Yes, she just comes in and takes her top off and um, yeah Well that, um, you know, that is what happens yeah. when I go to my doctors as well Yeah <coughs> As I thought, it's all in your mind. Are you sure? I'll prove it. Nurse! Oh, wait a minute. I've got nothing on. I'm not decent. She's a nurse. She's used to seeing things like that. 
Open your coat, please, nurse. Thank you, nurse. You see, there's nothing wrong with you. You're making a fuss about such a little thing. I would not say that. Something, something I, I noticed about this film, that there's a lot of erection gags. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute load of them, you know. Yeah, if, if they were going to do it in a carry-on film, this was the one to do it in. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, you know, we've I think we've discussed some of the, the funnier scenes. We've discussed mm-hmm. some of the more questionable, dubious scenes. Um any... Also, on the on the questionable side, there's also the thing of, of Larry Dan like wanting to commit suicide as well. Yeah, which is another weird. <laughs> and, he, and he try, and he actually tries to do it. Yeah, I know it's another weird, <laughs> weird departure for Carry On film. Yeah. But he, he he's so um, useless that he uh, misses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so. It ends up with Emmanuel on this uh, news program presented by Henry McGee, who's, who's questioning her about her her lifestyle and shagging all these people, um, and uh, ends up, of course, with her making love to him live on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. It's it's yeah. funny, but maybe it it it, it goes the actual interview scene is funny and when it cuts to um john sims and kenneth connor etc down in the uh, below stairs laughing their heads off and cheering her on i quite like that that was funny but then yeah yeah um probably as is the kind of nature of this what well, this film they, they, they take the gag too far yes and then um of course it ends with um emmanuel being pregnant well uh, another and again, this is a sign of the times. It was probably perfectly acceptable then. But another slightly sinister aspect of this is she falls pregnant and she says, I don't understand it. I'm on the pill. And the doctor says, well, you know, the, the, the pill's not 100% safe. And then she speaks to a male, a husband, and he confesses that he's actually, not only has he been sort of taking, you know, rem, you know uh, tampering with her medication so that she's not taking the pill, yeah. But he's actually swapped it with a um, some kind of arousal yeah. uh, agent, um, so it's a bit of a d- double insult, really. <laughs> yeah, another slightly sinister turn to events. Yeah, uh, and then of course she she gives birth, and all the people pretty much that she shagged are there in the hospital. Well, she gives birth to six babies. Of course, yeah, and uh, uh, the the classic line is, uh, "Don't they look like their father?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it, it it pans the room, and all the dignitaries are there, and all yeah. that. I think the referees there as well, isn't he? Yeah, I guess they couldn't get the whole football team. No, no. Uh, but it's quite a sweet ending. It, it kind of the credits start the credits start rolling, but it it's still on her smiling and holding the babies, and the the cast list rolls, which is the first time that ever the cast roll the cast list rolls at the end. Just the first time that ever happened uh, in a Carry On film. Oh yeah, because it's normally just at the beginning. It says who's in it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We've talked about the the, the final credits and uh, Emmanuel with the six six babies. Um, yeah. So, you know, in conclusion, Fred, any standout for you? I think Suzanne Danielle stands out for me. 
Uh, I think she's far sexier than Barbara Windsor ever was. Ever was. Yeah, but she but she's she's got a warmth as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think she's um, there's there's definitely no problems with her. Um, I think the old the old guard will you know do the business. You know, as they. I mean, that's why you know they're going to do their own business, aren't they? Yeah, Kenneth Williams is a bit more troublesome because he, he doesn't get to interact with the, the old guard, really, does he? Um, no. He's kind of no. on his own. Um, so he doesn't quite have the people to sort of bounce off like he so would do speak. normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, I think, that... again, he, he, his performance is, is, is fine. You know, he, he, he's, he's, he's game. He gives it a good go. Yeah, and I think you know, it's the same in Carry On Behind. He really gives it a good go even though it's far from sort of classic stuff um i think he really you know like you say he's, he's game and he, he, he brings his air game to use a, a, an american phrase uh, yeah i fully agree on suzanne daniel um and i believe that this is the first one that would have had a double a rating is that right he'd ended up getting a double a rating um yeah. again there's a bit of mythology that the the you know there was con- you know, there were in argument with the centre. I think they, were, they did argue with the centre. Actually, they wanted it to be a you, bizarrely. They wanted, <laughs> to be, they wanted it to be a family film. Um, I, I don't know how they, uh, ever, how they ever envisaged that. I, I, that. That defies any sort of belief, that does. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was kind of to fight back, I think, in, in, to fight back at the, 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 the suggestion that these were no, this was no longer family entertainment. And right, they, okay. they they said, yes, it's sexier. But and there's a quote from either Rogers or Thomas saying, "We're not like the Confessions films. They're they're really crude. We're vulgar." However, no. the U obviously didn't pan out, and the A didn't pan out. And yes, it got a double A. I think England initially got a double A, but then sort of at the box office, and it was re-edited minus uh, boobies and got, okay. and got an A. Um. So yeah, uh, there are lots of firsts with this film. Um, I mean, just that, back... that should have helped it in theory. Having a higher rating, uh, you know, might in theory. Well, this links back to the argument that it killed off the series yeah. because you're right. In theory, it should have, but by 1978, even the Confessions films had been and gone. Well, this is it. I mean, I think 78 is. Probably the end of the sex comedy as we know it. Um, even Stanley Long knew the writing was on the wall with his last adventures film in '78. Yes. Um, he could see where it was going. You know, vid- video was emerging. Uh, you know, people, if you wanted to see nudity, you could, there were easier ways to see it nowadays. And, and it was also fair, it was also the age of the, the, the blockbuster, you know, Star Wars. Yeah. Jaws, you know, things things were changing. So I think, you know, to address the 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 point that this killed off the series, I think the I think the genre was was coming to an end. So exactly, it it wasn't the film as such that killed it off. It was just the petering out of the whole genre, like you say. Yeah, fully agree. Um, Just a couple of quick sort of bits on Suzanne Suzanne Danielle. Oh yes, please. Uh, I, I fully agree with you. I think she does a really good job. It's a pity she didn't do loads more because she, you know, she did a few films and some telly. 
um, and then pretty much retired from acting and married. Yeah. Um, is it Sam Torrance? Is he a golfer? Oh, she married a golfer, yeah. But yeah. she's in she's in um, in a similar sort of role in the Cannon and Ball film, Boys in Blue. Yes, and there's um, various gags of her of them trying to look up her skirt and things like that. We we might have to come back to Boys in Blue at some point. I might have to uh, put you through that to make you oh, watch God. it. Please, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think in coming back to the the budget issue. She there's not one scene where she wears the same thing, and she is dressed. And uh, this doesn't ever get referenced. That you know, I'm not, the, I'm not a man massively in tune with these things, but <laughs> but she is so elegantly dressed throughout. Whether it's skimpy little tops, simply little all in ones, e- evening dresses, daytime summer dresses, she's they they definitely somebody somewhere paid attention to what she should be wearing and, and did a really good job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so, sorry to... Um, and, uh, and lots of know. pairs of knickers. Yeah, she some lovely pairs of knickers. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it wasn't pornographic. There's barely any nudity in it. It was more sexy, but that's a myth. It wasn't pornographic. It didn't kill off the series. The series was pretty much, pretty much over by then. Yeah, uh, I mean... In any case. The cast, the main cast, as it were, were getting incredibly old by that point. Um, yeah. I mean, as you say, Butterworth, he died a year or so later. Yeah. Catty yeah. um, uh, Jakes wasn't around for much longer. No. And then 10 years' time, uh, at least three or four of them had, had gone as well. So, I mean, they, they, they never really got a new sort of leading man, did they? I suppose that was the... Yeah, I mean, they tried with Windsor Davis in behind, it kind of worked, but same problem, though, wasn't it? In terms of you know, this was an age of the young super stud, really. This was yeah. an age of Asquith and uh, Christopher Neal and Barry Evans. Um, yeah. so Windsor Davis was, was always going to struggle to uh, yeah, rival that, which is what which is why I wonder about the Larry Dan's role in this film because he kind of starts off as if he's maybe going to be that sort of younger. He Gale type, but he just ends up being a weirdo in it. <laughs> um, he says again in the commentary, he says that he was sounded out about more films, so there wasn't this awareness that this was kind of you know yeah. a bit like the Beatles making uh, Abbey Road. Um, there wasn't this awareness that the this would be the last film. There were more in the pipeline, um, but it didn't really make money straight away. So, kind of that was that really. Um, and you know, just finally, you know, I think we are both in agreement that it's not a terrible film. Uh, it's possibly not the best Carry On film by any stretch, but it's not a terrible British comedy. No, and I, 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 I stand by my original argument. I do think it's it's my favourite one of the nineteen seventies. Yeah, um, it's one of my favourites. It's one of a handful of favourites from from the nineteen seventies. Uh, and I've, I really enjoyed, you know, watching it again through, you know, I, 2023 eyes uh, and, and, and you know, looking into the background. I, I would encourage, um, you know, Carry On fans who've dismissed it in the past to give it another go. Because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. Um, and we've, you've talked about the, the ratings issue. 
they uh, they aspired to get a U, but they ended up with AA. Um, just a personal recollection, not trivia as such, but you know when I was growing up, I was a very young Carry On fan in the nineteen eighties, and I you know, across a number of years got all of the films on on VHS. Oh, the old um, was it Cinema Club that used to release it was a Cinema Club, but then like because yeah. because obviously there was the uh, the the rank ones and then the yeah, earlier Anglo amalgamated yeah. ones. There was different covers. Yeah, but the one that you could never get and the one that was never shown was Carry On Emmanuel. Yes, um, which kind of fed into this slightly mythical, oh, it's pornographic type <laughs> yeah, status. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, that was because of a a, a wrangling over ratings. Um, oh. So I think when it came out on video, I think it's fifteen. Presumably, someone somewhere was pushing for uh, a PG, or presumably the censor was pushing for an eighteen, and that the settled settled on the fifteen. Um, but yeah, that in fact we've I've, I've seamlessly uh, dripped in all my other trivia bits. Um, what what so, I would like to know, maybe this is uh, somebody might. What, what, I wonder what, if Sylvia Crystal ever saw this film. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd be touched. You know, it's a very... Oh, uh, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a fine tribute. Jack Douglas says, it's not a bad little film. It's not a bad little comedy. It's just not a good carry-on film. And I think that's a fair a fair summary. Yeah, I think I, think I could live with that. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a fine way to conclude our discussion. So, Fred, as ever, technical difficulties aside, I've enjoyed. Um, I've enjoyed today. The um, unmitigated, unmitigated bounders will return. We will indeed. Yes, many more times, hopefully. Absolutely, and I'll see you down the Titten Sparrow um, up Camden Passage. The Titten What's It? <laughs> see you later. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> There's a woman in my life, she doesn't care for a thing She don't want to go out dancing, she just loves to stay in She just cares about good loving, she won't leave me alone If I'm not prepared for action, then she'll go down alone The woman is love crazy, she's loving all night The woman is love crazy, won't stop for a fight Woman is love crazy, she's out on her own. Sometimes I work so hard, I wish she'd leave me alone. <laughs>